1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. The housing market has seen prices slide recently, a trend that has realtors and economists at odds over just how long it might last. Economists at Desjardins recently said they expect prices to drop between 20 and 25 percent this year, but will end 2023 above pre-pandemic levels nationally and in each of the 10 provinces. However, the president of Toronto's Realosophy Realty figures that the lower cost of home ownership could draw in buyers who have been waiting for the right moment. One housing analyst and realtor in Toronto says the fall will probably push buyers that have sat on the sidelines waiting for lower prices into the market, adding it doesn't take many more buyers for prices to stabilize or the number of weeks a property stays on the market to shrink. The latest data from the Canadian Real Estate Association shows prices hit nearly $630,000 in July, down 5% from almost $663,000 last July, and they're projected to reach more than $762,000 by the end of the year. However, Desjardins economists recently said they expect prices to drop between 20 and 25% this year. Lori Paris, the Canadian Press. Over to our real estate expert, Asif Khan, from REMAX Prime Properties with the on-the-ground perspective of the market and the plan to get more homes built. Asif? Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association and a friend of On the Market. Tim, welcome back. Yeah, Asif, uh, great to uh, be back on the market with you and, uh, and Tina. I hope that you're having a good summer. It's been a bit of a, a different market since the last time we were on and some exciting changes happening at the provincial level. There sure are. And, and speaking of the changes at the provincial level, Tim, tell us a little bit about the Strong Mayors Building Homes Act that was just announced. Yeah, so, you know, when the um, Doug Ford government was re-elected, I was very pleased to ask if that one of the priorities that they outlined in taking office was to get more homes built more homes that will be affordable to average hardworking Canadians, uh, increasing supply out there for first-time buyers and move-up buyers and the kids come along and quality rentals as well. And uh, a view also that we need to, you know, we've got to stand up to the NIMBY forces to try to shut everything down, speed up the approval process, get the costs down. So all of that was a really good theme. And then the next day, they announced this strong mayor's legislation, and the main reason why they want to have what they call the strong mayors in Toronto and Ottawa, and perhaps some other cities, is to focus on housing. They tied the two together. So at ARIA, we were very excited to see this initiative because we do believe that with the right leadership in our major cities, we can get more homes built that people can actually afford. And Tim, another key area that this would address is the delays that we're seeing and, and the red tape involved in getting these housing starts going. Uh, does this put more power into the mayor's hands in order to get things going and kickstarting the building process? Yeah, great, great question. You got the right insight there, Asif. So let's, let's set the big picture. I can tell you more. It's called Bill 3. It's the Strong Mayor's Building Homes Act, like the title. But, you know, the book isn't just the title, right? So when you open up the pages... Initially, it will be Toronto and Ottawa only, our two largest centres, but the government has said they'd be looking at other cities as well next. And what does it do? Well, it basically recognises that in those big cities, uh, the mayor is elected by a large population. 
and should not be just you know one voice among many at council. That they are looking at a city on a citywide basis, not just you know getting a park built in one ward, but what's good for the city as a whole. And therefore, the mayors, if this bill passes, are going to have some extra powers. Let me tell you what that would be. Um, it would be hiring uh, the chief administrative officer and key staff like the planning officer. It would involve presenting key priorities that meet with provincial priorities to council for a vote. So that would be issues like getting more housing built, uh, and transit would be another example of that. The mayor would have uh, vetoes of things that uh, do not fit with the mayor's uh, viewpoint. Two-thirds of council would have to override the veto. So a significant increase, as well as developing a budget. To get back to your question, one of the provincial priorities is housing. So we see a lot of scope here for the mayor of Toronto or Ottawa to say, we're going to be changing these zoning rules. We're going to clean up this process. It shouldn't take you three, four, or five years to get a home built. And, you know, maybe we can use some existing space to have duplexes, triplexes, and townhomes, you know, great opportunities for first-time buyers. There, in a nutshell, is what this legislation contains. And, and this is something that Oria has been lobbying for for years, and, and you've played a key role in trying to increase the affordability aspect of housing and, and making sure everyone has a home. How much of a role did Oria play in getting this together? Well, we weren't the only one, but I, I do feel that we uh, really punched above our weight on, on getting these changes. Let, let me um, maybe give some examples. So, you know, picture a, a wartime bungalow, whether that's in, in Toronto, in, in Durham, or York region, and it's, it's past its best before date, right? It's wearing down a little bit. Right now, a homeowner can knock that home down and build, you know, a three- or four-story monster home for, for one family. We support that. That's, that's their right. They've saved up their money. They should have the ability to do so, and they can do that really without a whole process, you just move forward. But as if, if that homeowner wanted to knock down that old wartime bungalow and build a, a duplex or a triplex or townhomes so you can have three or four families, you know, that can have a, a place to live, oh, my God, they go through this red tape ringer, delays, all the NIMBY forces come in and get slowed down, and eventually they throw up their hands and walk away. And who loses? Well, it's those three or four families trying to get into the market. So we call this exclusionary zoning. It's built to exclude people from having access to homes. Uh, we do believe this new legislation will help mayors knock that down, provide more housing opportunities. That really was top of our list. We lobbied hard for it. So we see some, well, we finally see that after knocking on this door, it is now open. And Tim, is there also going to be some checks and balances to make sure the mayors are following through on on this type of legislation and is there going to be some involvement with, uh, from Oria as well as the provincial uh, government as well, federal? Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely work with our, our local boards where uh, this takes place. Um, we'll continue to press why this is important and I believe it'll work, how we can expand that to uh, other cities uh, as well. Our, our number one mission when we wake up in the morning at Oria and our feet hit the floor or we open up our, our desktops, is to help get more homes built, to help create that next generation of Canadian homeowners. So as I said, the door is open, but we're going to barge right through it and, and get that job done. The other part of your question asks if there's uh, the checks and balances. Oh, for sure, we live in a democracy, so the mayor would still have to have these, these um, proposals passed. The mayor will have the capacity to hire the chief planner to set some policies, but when it comes to zoning changes, the mayor could bring forward a plan He'll still have to have a vote of council to approve it. Tim, for our listeners uh, 
uh, on the show. Do you have anything that you want to convey to them in terms of how much of a role this is going to play in the uh, $1.5 million home plan? Yeah, Look, we, we need to build uh, 1.5 million more homes in the next 10 years. We need to build those homes so that your sons and daughters, uh, you yourself, can actually find a home that, that you can afford as your greatest investment and place where you've found yourselves the most, most secure, um, where you can actually truly be yourself and have your fondest memories. As Judy Garland famously once said as Dorothy, there's no place like home. So help is on the way. You know, what do I need from the listeners out there, whether they're first-time buyers or uh, they're investors or, or moms and dads of folks who want to get in the marketplace, contact your MPP. Tell them that you like the strong mayor, more homes legislation, and that's just a good start. I, I worry, Asif, that if we hit the brakes, that we don't uh, uh, keep pushing on creating more homes, uh, that we're going to lose a lot of that young talent to other states and provinces. And help certainly does sound like it's on the way. And Tim, thank you for your help with everything that you and Aurea have done to promote affordable home ownership. And thank you for joining on the market. Absolutely, Asif. Great to hear from you again. Uh, great job at On the Market. Uh, an honor to be on. And congratulations on your own personal success. I see that you're racking up awards. You've expanded uh, your business. Uh, well deserved. People trust your judgment. And it's great to see that taking place in the marketplace like that. Thank you very much, and and to you as well. Thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. After the break, the appraisal process in the current real estate market. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez, and our real estate expert is Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties. Asif, over to you. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Claudio Polito. Claudio is the owner, managing partner at Crosstown Appraisals, and he's the past president of the Appraisal Institute of Canada, Ontario Association. Claudio, welcome back. Asif, thank you for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Claudio, it's uh, it's certainly been a wild ride in the real estate market over the last little while, and we've had some properties that have sold for way more than asking. How has that affected the appraisal process? And suppose someone had a 180-day closing or so. How is that affecting market values right now? That that's a fantastic question. We're we're getting more and more requests from lenders to reassess to update appraisals that are completed in February, March, April, and May. Wow, so so even though the appraisal was done and supposedly passed, because it hasn't closed, you are now having to reassess these properties. Exactly, a lot of lenders will have a, let's say a 90 day or 120 day uh, period where the appraisal is still valid in their eyes. Uh, some have shorter time periods. And we're finding, I would say 15, 20% of all re- all inspections or revisits of properties we've done. Uh, they're, they're comparable updates in essence. So they are comparable. So yeah, Comparable updates, they want new comparables, more recent sales. Uh, lenders are nervous. Uh, they're nervous at the market. So how many of these are not meeting the appraisal value that was established a while back? 
just roughly off the top of my head, I would say if we were at your property in February, March, April, May, there's a very good chance, a highly good chance, over 85, 90%, that the current market value would be less than what it was in the spring. So are the banks pulling financing on these properties or are they asking for a further down payment? Is there uh, is there any recourse that the buyer would have or the seller even in this case would have uh, to say that, listen, when we sold this place, it was valued at that amount? I've had We've had some cases where uh, buyers and sellers have renegotiated. Uh, they, they realize it was sold in February and that market does not exist today. And if this current buyer can't close, then the likelihood of finding another buyer at that same price uh, may not be great. So we've seen some cases where buyers uh, and sellers renegotiate a new, uh, come to a new meeting of the mind, so to speak. And you know, I mean, and there's and there's vendor takebacks being offered these days. There's a, there's many different solutions. Uh, private lenders coming in to the rescue. But what's complicating the process even more is these automated appraisals that people are finding online through uh, lead generation companies or other uh, you know marketing companies. How do you treat those? Because what if someone comes to you with an amount that's ridiculous and says, well, this system told me that my place was worth $50,000 more, but your appraisal came in lower. This is a great example of where an automated model lags, and it's just behind the times. So let's say a year ago, that same model may have been uh, too low, not taking into account the current market conditions. Today, it's probably too high, not taking into account the current market conditions. So an AVM, an automated evaluation model, uh, it's based on completed uh, transactions. Uh, sales have gone through. A lot of times they're based on a postal district, uh, based on a a model, a model that takes certain features of properties and weighs it accordingly. But it doesn't take into account is the property specific. That property on that street in that condition today. Three bedrooms are three bedrooms, but they can be different. That's true. And upgrades aren't included. Any improvements aren't included. But you're 100% right in that two years ago, these property valuations were off by $200,000, $300,000. And now they're still off, but in the other direction. You know, appraising, selling, uh, anything to do with real estate. Real estate, we always say, is the single biggest asset or purchase most people will make. It's also the most emotional purchase people are making and emotions includes your senses and taking that out of the equation uh does is a disservice to to the property so you need eyes and ears feet on the ground uh to see to assess what it is and where it is and why it is and and claudia crosstown appraisals is regarded as one of the most established and and credible appraisal companies out there do you see a lot of people coming to you to reappraise homes or, or condos that other appraisal companies have done and may not have met the desired value for the lender? We're often asked to, to reappraise, to provide a second opinion or, or what have you. It, it, it varies from, from client to client, uh, 
but yes, we're always being asked to give a second opinion, more so by lenders. Uh, we find lenders, especially in, in uncertain times, uh, they count and rely on firms like us. Uh, when times are great, times are great. Uh, but, you know, the first little hiccup in the market and uh, everybody runs, everyone's for cover. And and now that we have numerous reports out there about potential price declines up to 40% or 30%, how is that affecting the appraisal process and, and deals? Because do you take that into account to say, okay, you're not going to close for 60 days and there's a potential price drop, so we're going to appraise it for less? How does that work? Or is it that... Is it a picture of that property on that day? An appraisal is always a point-in-time analysis. What's it worth today? We can't predict the future. Uh, we can we can help we can help explain the past and understand today. But our values are based based as of today. Um, I know there's a lot of doom and gloom uh, perpetrated out there. Uh, you know, six months ago values can never drop. And today's values won't stop dropping. My experience has been a little different. Uh, good neighborhoods, uh, high demand neighborhoods will always be in demand. Uh, high value properties uh, will always be in demand because they don't come up as often. Properties or neighborhoods that are indistinguishable from the other, those seem to suffer the most in these you know, downturns in the marketplace. They're easily replaceable. You know, tract housing, uh, you can close your eyes and you can name which neighborhood you're in, which community you're in in your region because they all look the same. Well, those pockets may suffer a little bit more today because there's no real pull to it. But the right street with the right property, regardless, it doesn't matter what the market conditions are, there's always a buyer for that property. Great information and and. You know, it really does say a lot about having a, a true professional go in and evaluate our property rather than rely on these automated reports. Claudio, thank you for your time and uh, for joining On the Market once again. Thank you. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions. Helen wants to know... If it's worth entering into a contract for a new build condo, if there is no guarantee that her home will be built on time or at all, since it's at the discretion of the developer. Asif, what advice do you have for Helen? Helen, you know, in the past, uh, we've had places that haven't been built on time and there's been delays or there's been an increase in, in costs, but they didn't really receive the the same amount of attention that they do in today's environment with social media and everything. So does it happen? Yes, it does. But if you look at the number of projects that are being built across the greater Toronto area, the percentage is very low. And if you pick a reliable builder, a credible builder, one that has the reputation of building properties on time or or even managing the delays, then you're all set. Uh, you know, do, do things happen like that? Yes, they do. 
But again, they're uh, far and few between. We have heard a lot more stories lately, and that's been more because of the pandemic period where we've had delays in construction, uh, you know, shortage of labor or shortage of supply. And that's what's causing a lot of these delays right now. But over time, that will be rectified. And if you're buying a pre-construction condo right around now, you're probably about two, three, four years out. So by then, you should be okay. Our next question comes from Joe in Thornhill. He is currently saving for a down payment on a condo and planning to buy early next year. Do you think a building that is less than five years old is a better purchase than one older than that? Asif. Well, you definitely do get uh, the benefits of a a building that's under five years old because you're going to have maybe some updated amenities that you may may not have in the older buildings. Your maintenance fees may be a little bit lower as well because the older buildings, over time, they need more attention, they need more work, and the maintenance fees does go up. Your TMI does go up as well. So you're starting to pay a little bit more per square foot than you would be in a newer building. But at the same time, with a newer building, you're, you've also got uh, expenses that are going to be creeping up. So it is going to increase over time. Uh, the older buildings tend to have larger units as well, whereas the newer buildings may not. Some of the older buildings have included parking spots where the newer buildings may not. So it just really depends. It's a lifestyle decision, and it depends on where you want to be and what type of condo fits your lifestyle and your choice uh, of where you want to live. So it's not one size fits all. (laughs) It really isn't. And you really have to take into consideration all of the elements that go into that condo purchase before you make the decision on age of building. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? Tina, they can reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-CON. Five four two six. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.